Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week we chat with six-time Juno Award-winning Canadian artist Serena Ryder talking about her latest album, The Art of Falling Apart, and the journey that she's been on to continue taking care of her mental health. We also welcome Vancouver-based indie pop singer Michaela Slinger chatting about her debut album, Panorama, including the topics she chose to cover on the project and who has influenced her musically. Later on the show, we take a look back at one of our classic interviews with British band Rudimental talking about their album Home from our Vintage Vault. The Kelly Alexander Show. We are so excited to welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show six-time Juno Award-winning recording artist Serena Ryder. Serena, thank you so much for hanging out with us on the show. Thanks. Nice to see you again, Kelly. I am so happy to see you. And it's still like a feather in my cap that like you and I follow each other on Twitter. I That makes my day. <laughs> <laughs> my day sounds good but are we friends uh, on instagram <laughs> yeah I, now you'll have to follow me on instagram yeah, exactly. I'm, gonna hold, I'm gonna hold you to that um <laughs> so i have to start by asking the meaning behind this new album the where did the idea come from because it's just so like it's encompassing like it's such a great encompassing album yeah for sure so the album didn't start out as an album. It started out as a keynote speech on mental health. And I was not even planning on making a record. Um, I do a lot of um, different um, like writing sessions with lots of people all over the place, but I had some sessions booked with some friends of mine and I had just finished doing my first keynote speech called The Art of Falling Apart. And that was what was like first and foremost what I was thinking about and I was like, okay, I need to bring this to music. This is what is the most important thing to be speaking about for me um, is mental health and mental wellness, because it's something that like, I don't know, I feel like people are trying to, you know, we're destigmatizing it, but we're not really destigmatizing it because I think we're putting a lot of stigmas on by making all of the things that we're going through into something that is bad that we need to fix. And I wanted to take that stigma away and realize that, you know, that I've realized that a lot of the things that I feel like I need to fix are actually really superpowers, you know, if I stick with them and then stay with the uncomfortable moments. For as long as I've known you, which has been several, several years now, which I'm grateful for, um, you've always been, you know, very open and upfront about your advocacy for mental health and, and your own struggles. And it just feels like with this new album, it's like taking on a whole new dimension. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Uh, it has taken on a whole new um, reality for me because I have been through so much since, you know, I, when I st first started talking about mental wellness, it was the first time that I had experienced a really deep depression, a real clinical depression, and I came out the other side changed. And I feel like that's what happens with us as humans is that we go through so many different things and we are changed and we are different people. And I feel like I have changed so much in the last few years and that's why this record is very, very much different. And I'm speaking about specific things in this album. I'm not just like kind of brushing over the idea of it. I'm talking about specific things that I've been through and I think that's what has made this album very, very different. When I read in the notes that you recorded this in 10 days, I was like, this is incredible because so many artists take six weeks, sometimes it takes three years to do an album. What was it about this album that went so quickly for you? I think it's because I already knew what I was going to talk about, you know? And I think that's the one thing that also separates this album from the rest of my albums that I've made, is that I already knew what I wanted to say. I just didn't know how I wanted to say it. And so when I knew what I wanted to say, 
the the music just flew out of me. And did you know, like when you were writing the album, because is it is it like a collection of songs or does each song sort of add to the story? Like, how does it work for you? Yeah, each song adds to the story. So it's actually song one is track one, day one. We did it in the first day. I wrote it, recorded it the first day. And it's about my first step in my mental wellness journey, which is about being vulnerable. And it's about really kind of, you know, it's turned into a hashtag as most things have, you know, but real vulnerability is messy. It's hard. It's not something that you can just put like, you know, catch a tear when you're on Instagram and show people like, I'm vulnerable. It's like, no, it hurts like a mother, you know, it hurts. And so, yeah, each, each song is really about my path and what I've been through and the steps that I've taken um, to you know, come through the woods and however many times I'm going to have to come through the woods, you know, because it's, it's not a linear journey. Oh yeah, exactly. A thousand percent. Yeah. Joining us on the Kelly Alexander show, award-winning superstar singer, recording artist, musician, Serena Ryder. You can check out all of her information on her website, serenarider.com. So over the last year, obviously this pandemic has hit the uh, arts community extremely hard, especially, uh, well, everybody, musicians cannot tour and still cannot tour at the moment for the most part, unless you're doing virtual events. So I wanted to know what it's been like for you and also like about your colleagues, if I can call them that across the industry, like, especially in Canada, like, do you think we're heading in the right direction coming out of this? Are you worried for them? Like, just what's the experience been like? I think there's so many different, you know, experiences that I've gone through and I feel like everybody is constantly going through this like different cycle of what we're feeling and what we're thinking. And each day is so different. Like a day can feel like a year, but it can also feel like two seconds, you know? And I feel like that's the biggest difference is that time has become so, so relative to how you're feeling. And at the very beginning of the lockdown and, and things like that, I was, I was really scared, but I was, I'm also like a really proactive person. So I was like, running around like delivering things to people and like being like, okay, I'm going to set my ducks up here and I'm going to figure out and do as many online things as I can. And, and then that got really exhausting. And I was like, wow. Okay. So then I went into, okay, this is an opportunity for me to, to kind of pay attention to what is the most important thing. What is the most important thing? And, and it really is like, okay, like I have food, I have shelter, I have like, you know, people that I love. And so it really became about connection with the people that I love and fostering my relationships and really seeing what the, the good relationships are, you know, and what the healthy relationships were because the unhealthy ones kind of seemed to just disappear because we weren't able to foster those things by like going out and like going to bars or doing whatever, you know, it is that I do it as a touring musician. Um, so it was, it was really scary because there was a lot of worry, you know, and there still is worry, but I can't change that. You know, the only thing I can change is how I'm treating myself and I'm still learning how to treat myself well. Like there's so many issues that are going on in the world. And I feel like we were, we're bombarded with them even more now because we're staring at these screens, right. And feeling like we're not doing enough, you know? So I spent a lot of time feeling like I'm not doing enough, you know, and you know, I'm still trying to figure it out, to be honest, you know, I'm really, I have no idea um, what the future is going to hold. I only know like that I, that I can do what I do in the moment and treat myself as well as I can. And sometimes that's like crap. 
<laughs> I wanted to ask you too, as someone who, again, for so many of us, like you are such an important part of the Canadian music scene. Like we look to people like you because you've been around for a while and you've had such success. So I'm just wondering, like, what do you want fans of Canadian artists, Canadian music uh, to do to, to support you guys as we get through the rest of this? Cause like, yeah, tour is still not happening yet. Right. Well, I mean, to support, you know, local musicians, I think keeping things as local as possible is always kind of the way to, to stop the, the giganticness of all of the different issues that are going on. And so if you kind of see what's going on in your backyard. So I really feel like supporting local musicians, people that you know, friends that you know that are doing you know, music and art and things like that. There's so many online things that you can support. But I feel like the, the, the real, the big, the big thing is for people to be taking care of themselves first. Um, that's you know, the best way to support musicians, the people in your life is to take care of you first so that you can have excess energy and, you know, things to give out. Now, there are so many amazing songs on your album. I'm obsessed with Candy, obsessed with it. Do all the songs speak to you differently at different times or is there actually one or two that really stick out to you that you're like, that's my jam? Yeah, well, the two songs that are kind of my super, super jam, I guess there's three, but Used to You is, is a song that, encompasses so much of the joy and not knowing. And I feel like that is a huge, you know, joy of living in the mystery because I feel like such a big part of people's struggles in the world is like feeling like things have boundaries and walls, especially people like, oh, I know that person because I've known them for 20 years or I've known them for 10 years and I know them better than, you know, other people, but it's like, Actually, the people that we think we know the best, I feel like we know the least because we haven't really given them space to change and to grow in our mind. And we're always changing and growing. And the same with ourselves. Like the more we think we know who we are, I feel like the less we actually do because there's so much to discover. So that's that's one of the, my favorite songs. And then Better Now is, is a huge track for me. It's probably my number one favorite on the record um, because it it says it all you know, where this, that song means so much to me on so many different levels. It's, it's me kind of going through the journey of learning how to take care of myself uh, for the first time. You know, it's like, I've been touring for 20 years, you know, since I was 18 years old and um, I've lived a lot of different lives. And just now I'm realizing that like the most important person to take care of in is yourself and that leaves so much more to like having nourishing relationships in your life. It's also a song about how I decided to be uh, sober and not drink alcohol anymore. Um, it's been over two and a half years now and that's really changed my life. And then my, the last track is called Back to, Back to Myself. And that it, that's basically says the entire journey of the, my whole mental wellness journey in one song. That's awesome. And now that the album is out and done, like, how does it feel? Was it like a, a big release, like joy? Like, what, was there a bunch of emotions going on now that it's done and it's out and it's out to your fans? It's funny because it's the putting out of the record because of this um, pandemic has been like, I've been putting out tracks kind of slowly since, you know, six months ago or seven months ago. So I feel like it's, I feel like I've been putting it out for quite some time. And it feels like it's becoming more solid. I feel like the one thing that is going to change everything is being able to perform 
these songs. And I feel like that's going to feel like really, you know, like the cherry, you know, the icing on top is going to be like, oh, like to get it out there and to really close that loop. So it feels like I'm in it right now still. Okay. Are you counting down the days <laughs> to get back out on tour? Um, I'm, I, I stopped counting the days, um, a while ago because I feel like I would just be, you know, never, it would be never ending. Um, because like, I feel like it's March 3,200, like 3,287th, you know, but it's actually March again. And that's what I was saying, you know, no, is it March? No, it, it's March. Yeah. See, like, I don't know. <laughs> Head ass okay there we go (laughs) (laughs) i have to ask you this just because you're such an incredible musician who in top 40 land is uh like inspiring you or that your dirty little secret that you're listening to or you're loving it regardless like who is serena Ryder listening to in top 40 land oh gosh well there's so many amazing uh pop songs that are out there right now right now my jam is roof by jesse reyes i love that song so much (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Art of Falling Apart keynote speech. What do you want people to know about that? Because this is so great to know that you, Serena Ryder, the person we normally see on stage singing and wailing away is is doing keynote speeches. Like that sounds so formal and and crazy. Yeah, well, it's really just me talking about my journey. And that's what I do when I'm on stage anyways. But it was it's just talking without the singing. But um, but if people want to see kind of a condensed version of it, there's like a three and a half minute version of it on my YouTube and you just YouTube Serena Ryder, the art of falling apart. And there's like a, a kind of a cartoon version of the speech that I've done. Um, and yeah, I'm really proud of it. And, and with, my, with my label, Art House Music, we also have um, these free mental wellness initiatives that people can go online and get mental wellness counseling for free in a group setting. And there are so many different programs that they can do. And that's all kind of tied together in, in my mental wellness keynote speech and also my album, all of those different things. So that's really exciting as well. We are doing Fast Facts with Serena Ryder here on the Kelly Alexander Show. Serena, favorite song of your own that you either love to listen to or love to play? Better Now. What song have you heard on the radio in the last six months to a year in Top 40 land that you wish you had written? Roof by Jesse Reyes. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, did you pick up or reignite a hobby during quarantine? Yes, archery. That's sick. Are you, so what, how is this working? Like, do you go practice? Like, what do you do? Yeah, I practice in my backyard. I got a bow, I got a bunch of arrows and a target and I just go for it. You're like Katniss Everdeen? Yeah, dude, I do bridge <laughs> as well. Favorite cheat meal? Oh, Maddie's Patties, burgers. What artist on the planet that's currently alive or producer would you absolutely love to collaborate with? Kate Trinata. Oh, sick. Okay, love that. Grammy award-winning Kate Trinata, good. Who is the coolest person in your phone apart from your family and friends? Sophie Trudeau. Nice, that's <laughs> cool. And isn't Melissa Etheridge in there too? She's in there too, she's way up there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so good, good. For sure. <laughs> Favorite thing about Montreal? Oh, everything. everything the people the scenery the food yeah I'm here in Montreal you have crazy Serena Ryder fans in Montreal what is your message to Montreal Serena Ryder fans I miss you so much and I'm so excited to come and play in Montreal Montreal like swear I swear is one is is the place where I would move to 
if I ever moved anywhere else, it would be Montreal. I just think it's the most beautiful, amazing. People are so, so passionate. And like the love for music there, I feel like matches my love for music. So I can't wait to come and see everyone. Can you please move here? Like, can you? Because I-, I know. I love it. I love it so much. I've spent so much time there and I've, I've honestly considered moving there. Okay, great. Well, now I'm just going to bug you with this till you do it. So that's no good. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, Serena Ryder, thank you so much for your time. We love you as always. I love you too. Thank you. Serena Ryder hanging out on The Kelly Alexander Show. The Kelly Alexander Show. Happy to welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show Vancouver-based indie pop singer Michaela Slinger, who is releasing her debut album called Panorama. Michaela, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So I have to start off with the age-old question when it comes to musicians and artists. Where did this all start? As a kid? Yes, as a kid. Probably as a baby. I mean, I think my parents have different theories for how I got so musical. I think part of it is maybe genetic, but my mom spent a lot of time on pool deck as she was pregnant with me because my parents are both swim coaches. So they'd be blasting music during hard practices. And she says, like, from, from utero, I'd be kicking and moving around anytime there was music playing. That's really cool. Now, speaking of your <laughs> parental unit, have they been super supportive of your uh, like burgeoning music career? Oh my gosh, incredibly supportive. And not only my parents, of course, but um, my grandparents as well. They're actually, they're, they're featured on the album. I did some interviews with all four of my grandparents who I'm, I'm so fortunate to have in my life today and they live close. So yeah, I'm not an artist who's kind of had to go it in spite of their family. In fact, when I had times of doubt, you know, I'd talk to my grandma on the phone and she'd be like, why aren't you doing music yet? Or, you know, why aren't you singing? Why aren't you gigging? So yeah, they've, they've been a huge catalyst for me. That's really awesome because that makes such a huge difference when you are having those days of doubt and maybe things aren't going well, knowing that your family's behind you 100%, like that just kicks you into high gear. So that's really, really cool. Who were you a fan of musically growing up and are these artists still important to you as a, an artist today? Oh man, there, there were honestly... There's so many. This question, I always get frozen up on this question because I'm afraid I'm going to forget someone that was like so pivotal for me. But I think like I was a musical theater, so I sang a lot of musical theater songs. But then in the car with my parents, it would be anything like they loved U2. They're big U2 fans. Um, but my mom loved Jan Arden. They also just loved like 80s music. Like I'm thinking of Take On Me by AHA and just like all of these, you know, Hootie and the Blowfish. I don't know. There were so many different bands that they loved because they both grew up in the 70s and 80s so I feel like I have a wide-ranging influence um, I can't really pin it down to anything in particular but I do want to come back to Jan Arden and I speak about her from time to time because in the car with my mom we'd listen to her live CD and so it was not only her her songs which were so compelling in her voice and but it was her storytelling in between songs and I think now looking back that was an important figure for me to have access to as a kid because I was in musical theater. I loved performing, but I also wanted to do music. And I think her live show is really excellent. I actually got to see it before COVID with my mom, which is pretty full circle. But I think she does a great job of telling stories and singing all at once. Have you had a chance to meet her yet? Oh, no, but that would be amazing. Let's put that out into the universe. She's uh, funny enough. I actually interviewed her five or six months ago. And she's Ooh. absolutely delightful. Like, she is who you hear on stage and screen. She's just uh, authentic and original and, like, a huge, you know, fan of being Canadian. So she's awesome. So I, I wish that for you because I think you'll have a great experience um, when you do get oh, a, put it a, out there. a chance. I'm putting it out there for you. That's what we do here on the Kelly Alexander <laughs> Show. Um, so here's a big question for you. Your, your debut album uh, is called Panorama. Why did you call it that? Ooh, 
I love answering this question. I mean, there's many, I think there's a couple different reasons why. So I'll start with the more obvious ones. But um, I I grew up in a couple different places and, and my, my parents did split. So I had a couple different houses, but my, I guess, formative years of growing up at my mom's house, which is sort of my primary household, like before I had a couple, was Panorama Drive. So I was like, okay, Panorama, that's important. And then I also went away to university um, in a, a town outside of Vancouver called Squamish. And there's a really incredible mountain range that I got the chance to hike. And it's called Panorama Ridge. So I was like, oh, here Panorama is again. And then when I was putting these songs together for the album, that name kind of came to me. And I was like, well, what, what meaning beyond just geographic location does Panorama have for me? Um, and the, the lines that are in that, that title track song are, you can try if you want, capture it in a frame, but you know, looking back that it's never the same. And I think that kind of gets at the identity of this album, which is like, I'm trying to do a lot of my processing from the first 24 years of my life and put it all into songs and try and understand, you know, why we're alive and how it feels. And you can never quite do it justice. You can get close. I think that's what great art does, but it's hard to truly explain this experience we're all having together. So here's a, I guess, like maybe some kind of esoteric question. You'll never release your debut album again. This experience is a one-time deal. So how are you feeling? What emotions are swirling around you these days, knowing that like it's taken you 24 years to make this first album, and then it's going to be out into the ether and, and out of your control? Oh, it feels, um, it feels liberating and terrifying at the same time. And I think that, that pressure, responsibility of, of, you're exactly right, you only get to do this once. It's definitely been in the back of my mind, and I, I think I've given it the appropriate care and attention that it deserves, and so it feels right to be putting it out now. It doesn't feel rushed. Obviously, I didn't anticipate on releasing my debut album in the middle of a, a global pandemic that keeps kind of throwing us different curveballs and having different restrictions come in and out. It makes it nearly impossible to plan. Um, but I, I just feel ready, you know? And I think the way that I know I'm ready to have these songs out is that I'm thinking about album number two and I've been writing a lot again, but it also like every time I listen to these songs that are on this record, it's like, I can't wait for people to understand me in this way. And it feels like the perfect intro um, for the world to kind of have my sonic landscape and then to build from there with future projects. Speaking of, you know, apprehensive, but excited. Speaking of uh, sonic uh, landscape, when it comes to track listing, because, you know, back in the day, obviously that was, and I, I still think it, it should be important today. I'm just not sure if, if, if artists are super into track listing and, and planning out how each song is going to unfold because everything, like you can listen to one song at a time rather than listening to the whole CD or the whole album. You don't have to do that anymore. But for you, was it important to lay it out in the, in the manner in which you did? It was. And it's funny because it went through some revisions and I was being a little bit precious about it. Like there's this one song on the album called wild child and i had it in my head i was like this has to open the album it's the only thing that makes sense you know just like getting in my stubborn mode <laughs> and i got some feedback and it was like you know absolutely if you want go for it but it, it, it's not a single and there's also many ways to introduce yourself so i landed on this final experience i guess for the listener in terms of the track listing and now when i like i've walked around and listened to it in its entirety straight through and i actually really like what it does because it, it starts quite high and then it kind of comes down into some ballad track. Then there's like a really sort of somber ballad. And then actually Wild Child kind of opens up the second half of the album, which is a lot of unreleased songs. And I feel like it brings a breath of fresh air. So it kind of is like, a, what's that, a sine, sine wave? Yep. It's like two, two waves. There's a high, a low, a high, and a low. Maybe it ends on a 
middle of the road kind of experience. That's cool. Which is exactly how my life has felt, I think, thus far, especially the early 20s. Oh, you're yeah. here, you're there, you're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you are, it's true. Joining us on the show is uh, indie pop artist Michaela Slinger. You can hit up her website for all of her social media handles, MichaelaSlinger.com. Now, I read this, that you have been described as Maggie Rogers meets Joni Mitchell. Does that feel like an accurate depiction of the artist you are? And do you feel that you're still figuring out who you are art- artistically? Yeah, I mean, those are two incredible references to have beside my name and, and two very formative artists for me. I think like Maggie Rogers, when I discovered her several years ago, I do, I'm not usually like this about people, but I'm always like, oh, I was an early adopter of Maggie Rogers, like right when her first song came out. And it was kind of the first time I felt like maybe somebody who I really felt a kinship with was doing super well in the industry. Like she was mixing genres and I just feel like her life and her aesthetic kind of matches mine. So that was really exciting. Um, But then Joni Mitchell is obviously just like one of the most incredible lyricists and storytellers and her melodies and guitar parts are endlessly fascinating. So I like to kind of have one one foot in the future and one foot learning from the best parts of the past, I think, when it comes to music. So those do feel like two great references. But in terms of knowing who I am, I don't know, that's always going to change. I think I'm okay with that fact. Um, and I've always been pretty settled in like the, the parts of me that I think are, you know, relatively here to stay. Um, but there's a lot of exploration on this album. And I hope that that only continues to be the case as my career progresses. For people who haven't had a chance to listen to the album yet, what are some of the topics that you explore, especially because this is like the 24 years of your life culminating in this project at the moment? I mean, there are some broad themes that I think a lot of music loves to explore. Like I explore the idea of love and relationships, but in my own way, you know, I'm sort of thinking about monogamy and pondering what it means to be in a very long-term committed relationship as a young woman who had ideas about like maybe not doing that or trying to do something different and then ending up doing the same thing that my parents and grandparents did to varying degrees of success when it comes to long-term relationships and figuring out how I feel about that and the responsibility of love and being in relationships there's, you know, thoughts about, I think, like familial relationships. It's not totally on the nose. There's no song that's like, this is about my uncle. You know, it's like a little, a little <laughs> more poetic than that. But it's getting at, yeah, this idea of growing up, this strange, dislocating feeling of becoming an adult alongside your parents and trying to navigate having an adult relationship with them, but always being their child, but being able to see them more as an adult um, and the struggles that come with that. I'm thinking about, you know, death and aging and the experience of loss that I'm sort of at this point in my life only anticipating as I mentioned I I have like all of my grandparents in my life but I'm just sort of sitting with the beauty of having so much love and family around me and knowing that that is not a, a forever constant and figuring out how to process that in real time. Yeah, that sucks, I have to tell you. So I'm glad you're aware of it. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of uh, young adults that, that for whatever reason, they're so consumed, especially in the world that we're living in today, are so consumed with their own self that they don't realize like they should enjoy their family or friends or whatever it is as much as possible because it's not always going to be there. And it's so funny because you get so onto the, um, you know, the wheel of life. And you're so consumed mm-hmm. about getting yourself where you want to go that it. I think I think that statement is true. That kind of like youth is wasted on the young. You don't mean for it to be, but like mm-hmm. like it is. So it's it's a breath of fresh air to to hear that you're already aware of that while you still have your four important grandparents like around you. That's really that's really awesome. Yeah. 
think about it all the time. You're based in Vancouver. How has that city influenced the music you're making? And do you have any intention of moving to like Los Angeles because you're not that far away, really, if you think about it by plane? Um, great questions. And I'm sure if my parents are listening to this, my dad very early on laid the guilt sick. He was like, my worst fear in this life is that you'll move away. (laughs) Vancouver, BC. I was like, wow. All right. Wait, wait for that to be the starting point. Um, Vancouver is very formative for me just in that it it truly to me is the most incredible place to live. And I feel so fortunate to have grown up here. Um, I think like I do my writing best when I'm kind of active and out in the world and this, like anywhere you step in Vancouver, you have an incredible view um, if the weather's right, obviously. Um, so I think it influences my music, not necessarily that I'm writing about the trees and the mountains, but, you know, it's just it's just what I have grown up in and getting out into nature and enjoying the natural world is a really important part of my creative process. Um, that said, it's a small city and I, I didn't realize that when I first started living here, but then, you know, a couple summers ago, I went to Toronto and then I went to New York for a weekend and I was like, oh, Vancouver's like a, a cute city. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> I thought it was big. So I, I certainly have ambitions to spend time in other music cities that inspire me, you know, London, New York, LA, Nashville. Um, but in terms of a home base, it's if you've lived in Vancouver and you've got a community here, it's pretty hard to imagine leaving here for a super long period of time. And, and every time I fly in and I see the mountains from wherever I am in the world, I, I do feel a real sense of home. That's cool. And I think that's great. And you're not the only um, artist. It's actually interesting. I, I know a couple of them that I've interviewed. For example, Jocelyn Ellis, who is from Calgary, and she spent mm-hmm. um, X amount of time in, in Los Angeles and, and moved back. Moved back, I think, like the year or the summer before the pandemic and, and was happy to do huh. so. She couldn't, uh, she sort of had her fill of Los Angeles. And I thought that was super telling because usually everybody aspires to be there. And I think she appreciated her time there, but wanted to, to be back in Calgary. And I think now with the world we live in, especially in this pandemic world where we've had to go virtual, you really can be anywhere and do what you need to do if you choose to stay at home. You know what I mean? So except like once yeah. touring kicks in. So so that's really interesting. And I, I did want to ask you too, um, speaking of top 40 artists, because Jocelyn Alice, actually, we play her all the time on the station I work for. Is there anybody in the Canadian music scene or in the top 40 world that you would love to collaborate with? Ooh, in the Canadian, music scene I mean I'm so fortunate that the the label that I'm with 604 records we have so many incredible artists um like my friend Matthew V I think he's actually collaborated with Jocelyn Ellis before so there's so much there's so much talent just at the label and really it was it was sad timing because I signed and then the pandemic hit so I had grand plans of like doing all these co-writing sessions and collabs with with friends and artists and I hope that will happen in the future my friends Box Rea are another really incredible band that are at the label Oh, but I don't know. In terms of other big Canadian artists, I don't know. People have been asking me, like, what new artist do you like lately? And and my answer is Arlo Parks, but she's not a Canadian. She's based in the UK. So that's not a very good CanCon answer. That's all cool. (laughs) It's all good. And uh, I have to ask you, too, with regards to social media, like, how invested are you in in keeping that or or growing that presence uh, to connect to your fans and to create new ones? great question that I ask myself every day it to me the way I'm trying to view it is it's a tool and I think at this stage of my career it would be foolish to not lean in and figure out a strategy to be present on social media to engage with folks that said like I think maybe I have a bit more of like a a boomer approach to interaction like it (laughs) I just I feel like I'm at my best and most connected of course when I'm in person especially with my music so I I'm not necessarily I wouldn't call myself like a, a digital artist I don't feel like I 
people, you know, are teaching courses on musicians on social media being like, oh, you should check out Michaela Slinger. She's really got it dialed. But <laughs> I'm trying to do what I can to stay engaged and to help people get to know who I am in lieu of those in-person connections at shows and things like that. Like last year, I did a weekly Instagram live concert. Um, and that was really special because it was like bringing people into my living room every week and I would just perform covers that they requested. And, and that felt pretty awesome. That's cool. Now, for someone listening, what do you want to to say to them uh, to give your debut album a listen if, they, if they've never heard of you or your music yet? Oh, well, first of all, I'd say thanks for listening. And um, I think I, I describe myself sort of in, in life as a bit of a generalist. So I think there's something on this album for everybody. That's not to say like there's a screamo song and a metal song and a like jazz song, but just in terms of lyrical content and vibe, of song. I'm not trying to do one super specific thing. I'm trying to just, as I said, capture the first 24 years of my life and put it on the album. Um, and I do think I try to speak through my own personal experience and, and lyricism to some universal truths that maybe some of us are grappling with or some of us push to the side, like aging, like loss, like monogamy and love. Um, so I do think no matter how old you are, there's something on there for everybody. What are three things that you cannot live without? My guitar. I guess, oh, this is boring, but probably a, a bottle full of clean water. And um, am I really going to say this? I have a, a, a childhood memento. Actually, I have two that I can't sleep without that I've had since I was an infant. That's all I'm going to tell you. But they're like my most treasured item that I would save in a fire over anything else. That is super <laughs> cool. I like that. That's very good. If there was a movie made about your life and music career, which act actress would you want to, to play you? This is the funniest question because it's a joke in my friend group. I don't know who any actors are except for <laughs> Meryl Streep. Like, she's the only person I know and I love, like, Mamma Mia. I love everything that she does. So I would just have to choose Meryl Streep. So this would be more of a retrospective, I suppose. Although she could totally play a 24-year-old okay. and kill it. She, she totally could. She, could. she <laughs> totally could. What artist or band would make you freak out if you knew they had listened to your debut album? Oh, my God. There's so many. For Canadian reference, Half Moon Run. I think Half Moon Run is incredible. And then for a, another reference, Tame Impala or Maggie Rogers had listened to my stuff. I would freak out as well. That's super cool. Now, we wish you all the best of luck and you are welcome back on the show anytime. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show is Kessie from the British electronic music group Rudimental. Kessie, thank you for joining us on the show. Hello. Thank you for having us. So can you tell us how you all came together to become Rudimental? Yeah, well, um, myself, Leon and Piers, we actually grew up together. So we sort of known each other right from sort of primary school ages. Um, well, primary school sort of starting from six onwards. So we, we've known each other right from when we were really young as kids. Um, we loved both music and soccer, as you call it in the States. So yeah, we sort of grew up with the two loves music and soccer and sort of pursued them as we got older and um yeah we just kept going with the music and then um everything came together really and then we met amir which is the fourth member of rudimental a few years ago and um every all the music we made just had such great chemistry and seemed to really work so um yeah we sort of came together very naturally like that basically came together through a friendship how would you define the group and define your sound well, we like to call it the rudimental sound. It's basically um, a sound of all the influences we've grown up with. 
um, we grew up in East London and um, we were surrounded by so many different cultures and, and different influences and different music. And um, it's basically a mashup of everything that we've been influenced by. That's the way I like to call it. And what groups would you say or artists influenced you guys as you were growing up together? Oh, wow. I mean, there's so many different influences we've had. Um, personally, one of my favorite artists was actually Lauren Hill. Um, the Miseducation of Lauren Hill is probably my, one of my favorite all-time albums. Um, I really enjoyed the Fugees as well. And then um, there's four of us in Rudimental, so the different members had different influences as well. Piers was very into blues music, and his family sort of taught him blues piano and the whole sort of history of blues, so he was very into that. Um, Leon was very into his old-school garage, and Amir was sort of very into his drum and bass and jungle. And I think we all was into lots of different styles of music, and then when we come together and we create music, we get this sort of mix-up of different influences and sounds, which we like to call the rudimental sound. Can you talk to us about your songwriting process, like when you guys all come together? Is it beats first? Is it lyrics first? Like, how does that all come together? Or does the process change depending on what song you're working on? Yeah, I think the process does change every now and again, but predominantly we sort of write as a band. We're quite different to a lot of... um, of dance acts in the way they probably write. But um, what we do in our studio is quite different to a lot of studios. We just have tons of different instruments set out all ready to record. And we sort of just press play and we sort of jam different ideas together and come up with new ideas. And then we sort of write songs very organically and almost in a traditional way that songs used to be written. So we sort of start off with sort of piano and guitar melodies and ideas for songs and then create the lyrics and stuff like that and then the beats normally come after and the production side of things comes afterwards once we've got the song and we've got like a core idea of how we want things to sound so it's almost quite a traditional way of sort of songwriting that we like to use. Now you guys have four members in the group and does that mean that it's hard to get your voices heard because there's so many of you and I'm sure a lot of you are probably type A personalities where you have a certain idea and you want to get it across does it work out pretty seamlessly? Yeah, well, I mean, because there are four of us, um, when you when you do create music, you do get very passionate about different parts of a song or different sounds you hear or things that should be in there and things that shouldn't. You do get very passionate about it. And it's, it's really good because we sort of all come together and agree or disagree on different things. And I think the fact that there's four of us listening to different parts and sort of suggesting what should be in there and what shouldn't sort of really adds to the rudimental sound and we seem to come together and and make the best decisions together. I mean, it's good that we we have sort of slight disagreements about certain parts because it just means that we're really passionate and we kind of want to get the sound across. And I think when we come together, we um, just make the best decisions and we've got such a great chemistry together that everything we make together seems to be really special. Can you talk to us about your album, Home? Is it you know, a collection of songs or is there like a running theme that you want your fans and new fans to take away from? Yeah, it is a collection of songs. And we like to think, obviously, we are not singers ourselves. We have lots of different featured vocalists. Um, we want to sort of 
get the perfect vocal to match the right song that we make. We don't, I mean, there's so many sort of, it takes you on a journey when you listen to that album. It's not all drum and bass. It's not just house music. It's a journey of where we've come from, what we've been listening to and what we've always liked to produce. So it takes you on a journey and we like to have the right vocal for the right piece of music. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a collection of songs which sort of make the rudimental sound, which is shaped on what we've grown up listening to and producing and what we've been influenced by. How do you go about finding the particular vocalist that you use? Is it people that you know, or do you sort of have an eye on someone that might be in the scene and say, hey, let's approach them? Yeah, well, when we're looking for different vocalists, predominantly it's people we know. Um, I mean, for example, when we found John Newman for Feel of Love, We'd already actually written Feel the Love as a song um, and we went down to a local pub and John Newman was just there with his guitar doing an acoustic set in a local pub singing and we heard his voice and was like, wow, that's pretty special. That voice would sound perfect singing Feel the Love. So we sort of spoke to him after, he, after he'd done a few songs on his guitar, um, got him down to the studio, recorded Feel the Love we actually wrote another song with him at the studio, which is not given in. And um, yeah, there's two amazing songs. And um, now he's sort of had the platform that we've given him. He's doing amazing things in the UK himself. And um, he's sort of had a number one himself and doing great with his own career. Um, it's, it's always different with some of the other vocalists. We sort of had our studio in, in Hackney, in East London for a number of years and we sort of built up a network a network of artists that we are really into and vocalists that we really like working with and that we have a good chemistry with so a lot of the artists on our album are people that we've sort of grown and um, worked together before with um, but there's also a few um, really well-known artists such as Alice Clare and Emily Sunday and um Emily Sunday actually came to one of our shows, which we were quite surprised about because we didn't know she was coming. And uh, after the gig, she said, wow, she really loved our stuff and uh, would like to work with us. So that was pretty amazing. And then we basically booked a couple studio sessions and she came down and we wrote two amazing songs together, which are on our album that we're really proud of. Joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show is Kessie from Rudimental. Make sure to check them out on their website, rudimental.co.uk. I think it's great that you were able to talk about Emily and, and how you know, you've know you been able to collaborate with her and Alex. Claire, obviously, these are people that uh, worldwide, uh, their names mean something. Are there other artists or bands that you would like to collaborate with in the future? Yeah, there's definitely artists and um, bands that we'd like to collaborate with in the future. I mean, um, we're very into... Uh, finding new talent and giving new talent uh, a platform and letting new talent be discovered and sort of moulding them and bringing them up. But we do also like working with established artists. I mean, more than anything, it's it's all about finding the right vocal to match the right piece of music. So it doesn't matter if they're well-known or up-and-coming. But, um, I mean, there's so many amazing talents we'd love to work with. We actually did a the Jules Holland show with Bobby Womack not too long ago and after the show he was just sort of saying how much he loved our sound and what we were doing so I mean he would be an incredible artist to work with also I sort of mentioned that we're big fans of Lauren Hill and Miss Education with Lauren Hill was 
one of our favorite albums. So Lauren Hill would be really special to work with. I mean, there's so many people that you love to work with. I mean, I could go in all day. I wanted to ask you a sort of about social media. How important is social media for the band and spreading the word and I guess helping uh, maybe push your art to people around the world that are on Twitter, that are on Facebook, that are on Instagram? Yeah, I mean, social media is very important to us. It's quite funny because there's four of us. We've all got the sort of rudimental Twitter account installed on our phones. So we like to keep quite personal with our tweets and we try to get back to fans and sort of give them updates of how things are going. It's it's an amazing sort of the way social media has come on. Being able to actually talk directly to the fans is pretty special and seeing all the reaction about our music and it's really amazing to see and it's it's hugely important in this day and age to be up to date with all your social media let people know what's going on and it just gives a sort of very personal feeling to us as a band and what we're doing and what we like to do and what we're about and spreading the rudimental sound and the rudimental message what is up next for you guys as we you know sort of head towards 2014 and beyond okay well i mean we are touring uh, pretty much all over the world at the moment. We're currently on an American leg of the tour uh, where we're in various cities around America and Canada and different places. Um, we're actually going from America to Australia. Um, we're doing quite an extensive tour in Australia. Things are going really well out there in Australia for us. We've just come off a European tour and around the UK. So we're just developing our live show because um, we love playing as a band. We all play musical instruments. And the live show is really, really a massive thing to us. And um, you really get the rudimental message and understand the rudimental sound when after you've seen us live. We've got so much energy on stage and it's such a good, good vibe because it's not just the four of us, but we bring our sort of extended family. So there's some of the vocalists from the album that come with us. Uh, we've got our horn section, we've got our drummer, and we're all good friends and we've known each other such a great time. So when we go on stage, there's such a good chemistry and energy. We just have such great fun and it seems to rub off to the audience. We're doing a lot of touring and developing the live show at the moment, but um, we're also in the studio in in between the touring and working on new material. So we're keeping things bubbling and we're just enjoying the journey and spreading the rudimental sound the message can you explain to us what the rudimental message is i just want everyone to have a clear understanding of what you guys are about and what you want your fans to take away from you yeah well if you come to see us we want to sort of spread positive energy we want everyone to have a great time our album is called home but it doesn't mean just where we've come from we like to say that we feel at home on stage so wherever we're going on tour and around the world, when we're on stage, that's when we feel sort of most at home. And we like to sort of play at festivals and great sort of moments where you might have lost your friends at a festival and um, you just hear this music which sort of unites everybody together and then strangers sort of become good friends and you just enjoy a moment where you're listening to a piece of music and everyone becomes your friend and you just have a good time. And we're all about positivity, Rudimental. Awesome. Kessie, thank you so much for your time today. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's Kessie from Rudimental. Make sure to check them out on their website, rudimental.co.uk.
The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. And a big shout out to our guests, Serena Ryder, Michaela Slinger, and Rudimental. My thanks to Adam Brisson for being an amazing producer. And don't forget that you can listen to us on all the major podcast platforms. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles. You can do that by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have a great week. You and I will chat soon.